0: This edition of Hoopsology, the hosts discuss the Miami Heat taking a commanding lead in their playoff series against the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets hiring Steve Nash, the playoff exits of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Utah Jazz, some NBA Twitter beef, and some new NBA player awards. Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man?
1: What's up, man? What's up, man? How are you?
0: good man good um can't complain it's gonna be a three-day weekend um so can't get too upset about that how about yourself
1: yeah four-day weekend for me um, Oh, i had friday off so also have monday off so I'm not trying to rub it into anyone else or anything but yeah definitely enjoying this weekend and have a little time off next week as well uh so It's gonna be a very short work week for me next week looking forward to that looking forward to getting a little rest and relaxation um so yeah yeah no complaints here man i'm very relaxed i mean i usually sound pretty relaxed i think but i don't know if i sound a little more mellow (laughs) that's probably why what else is new with you
0: nah um i can relate i have similar time off but for different reasons um I have, I think, next week, like a four day weekend, but that's for moving. So, only nonstop moving, doing that. And uh, I got a week off to celebrating an anniversary birthday with my girlfriend um, last week of September. So, doing that. So, this month will be over before I know it, just because typically with days off, it goes by super quick. So, um, it'll be October in the finals um, be, be before we blink, uh, blink our eyes.
1: For sure. Well, happy anniversary and, and good luck with the move. <laughs> that's always yeah. always hard work moving. <laughs> so it's, it's time off of work, but it's also hard work in its own right.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but in a week, uh, all will be over, and then they can sit down and uh, you know watch the playoffs with uh, a little bit less anxiety, for sure. And uh, speaking of that, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to be breaking down this historical uh, disaster with the Milwaukee Bucks and Miami Heat. Pretty much making me look like a fool, and we'll discuss why. <laughs> uh, oh, I think bit. pretty much everyone, yeah. bro. <laughs> um, then we have uh, Steve Nash. What a shock. Uh, Richard Jefferson's face pretty much said it all with his mouth dropped him coaching the Brooklyn Next. So we'll discuss some his latest hire. We'll get into some Twitter beef, nothing like some beef, um, especially on the holiday weekends. <laughs> so we have, you know, LeBron's in on it, Scottie Pippen, Jay Williams. So we'll break that down. And then um, we'll discuss um, OKC on um, the Thunder and then the Utah Jazz just in terms of their outlooks, real quick. And then the player awards. Um, we just got six, um, the sixth player of the year, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. Uh, most improved player of the year. So we'll discuss all those. But first, some housekeeping. Um, get in touch with us always through email at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Always drop us a line on Facebook and Twitter. Um, through just that hoopsology uh, handle. there. We take positive, negative feedback. And we'll read your emails on the air. And, Matt, we have our YouTube channel. It's just kicked off. And you've added a couple of videos.
1: Yeah, two videos over the last Three days, so been been a little busy with that, trying to get some content up for you all to enjoy. So definitely check that out. Subscribe to us at our YouTube channel as well, where we'll, we'll have more kind of short form content there, short takes and things like that for you to enjoy. Uh, so so definitely check that out. We talked, or I, I talked a little bit about the Steve Nash hire, which we're going to cover in greater detail today. Uh, also talked a little bit about. Uh-oh, politics in the NBA. So, so you can check out our thoughts on that, but yeah, just some, some quick takes and some fun content will be up on our YouTube and we're going to be looking at putting a lot more content up there in the, in the coming weeks and months. So, uh, so it's really fun, kind of a, a different, um, different medium for us to use on on that video format. But um You know, just kind of gives gives a little more personality, gives you guys a a face and faces once once we get you on the YouTube channel as well uh, behind our podcast. So we're really enjoying that. I hope you guys enjoy it, too.
0: For sure. For sure. So let's get into this. And what uh, just a shocking result. And it's just so many questions. So what do Milwaukee Bucks in Miami Heat? This is a series I totally thought. I been under Al, a minute the Heat were similar to the Pacers, so it was kind of funny them um, facing off just in the first round because they're so similar. Just two teams that I think were kind of fun to watch, but at the same time, I think really no one, unless you're a fan of these two teams, thought they would be a contender to beat. You know, a top. Elite team in the Eastern Conference, let alone make it to the NBA Finals, and that's what we're seeing here—a three-nothing series lead for the Miami Heat, uh, led by Jimmy Butler, um, led by this this really insane um, point disparity um, right now. And it's kind of—I—I t- I don't think from like taking a look at it, it doesn't it's look from the outset like you know I'm seeing here. It's, Totally um, on, on BasketballReference.com, you know, the total points scored in the series 115.3 to 106 by Milwaukee. But just seeing how dominant Giannis Antetokounmpo usually is and how much of a force—that's a pretty telling stat in my in my opinion. And with the Miami Heat shooting like you know nearly 50%, and really take a look at even you know Milwaukee. Like, they're shooting, you know, in the 50s, too. It's not like they're playing atrociously. Um, But it's just... I personally think, looking at this, there's some other factors involved. And, you know, good old Twitter uh, plays into it in terms of rumors of Giannis, you know, going to the Miami Heat. You know, if they lose, he's going to the Heat. So, overall, do you see any of these rumors being a factor? What can you... Let's diagnose why we're seeing the heat have this huge lead and is it possible that gate can get a sweep is it is it in play here yeah i think it's definitely
1: in play at this point because i mean you you'd have to imagine spirits are really down on that bucks roster also i think You know, I haven't read too much about the rumors of Giannis going somewhere else yet at this point. I mean, we know 2021 going to be a huge free agency class year, uh, Giannis being the top of that list. But I think in terms of the series, I mean, one thing that that I want to mention is Giannis has had a sprained ankle issue. That's true. And it's, it's not really clear, at least to me, maybe you know more than I do, Um, not really clear to me how severe it is. Reports are he is going to play in game four. That was questionable after game three. And even though it wasn't really being acknowledged all that much before game three, there was definitely clear like camera footage of Giannis limping after that game. So, you know, kind of, kind of reminds me of um, LeBron on the Cavs The last time they faced off with the Warriors, how, He had that broken wrist or broken hand issue that really didn't get talked about until the very end of the series. Obviously that was in the finals. This is in the second round here, but yeah, from, from a schematic standpoint, you know, I, I for one feel like a moron. I last week was really high on the Miami heat in this series, but I still picked the bucks in seven. Just, I think the aura of Giannis you know, none of us saw this coming, really. Uh, I mean, maybe very few pundits, but I, I didn't really see anyone going hard, picking the heat before this series. Um, but one thing that I think schematically has worked against the Bucks, you can check out a video uh, from our friend of the podcast, Coach Nick at B Ball Breakdown. He had a great video talking about how the Bucks rely a lot on actually allowing other teams to kind of have their way at the three-point line. And the Heat is a team that have, have improved on their shooting as the season moved forward. Like kind of on, on the midway point of the season on, they, they improved in their shooting and now uh, they just kind of carried momentum uh, even before the bubble, but in the bubble especially started building more and more momentum as this offensive threat Indiana, who they faced off against the first round, was kind of the opposite. They had some injuries that set them back. I think Sabonis was injured in the bubble, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe right before the bubble started. But either way, they lost him. Oladipo was always questionable, kind of too little too late. And so they kind of were a team that lost their momentum. But you're right in that similar kind of makeup to the Heat as far as that team structure. Heat just came in with a lot of momentum, and that's been building ever since. We mentioned coaching, well coached by Coach Spolstra. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this actually, too. And of course, on anything else uh, that we touched on there. But um, what, do you, what do you think of, of Coach Bud? I mean, it's, it's obvious that this Giannis injury probably plays into this some. It, I think also Coach Bud has taken a lot of heat for playing Giannis under 40 minutes per game pretty much throughout the season, throughout the playoffs. How much heat do you think he deserves? Heat, huh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> how, how much heat do you think he deserves for the coaching of this series? Or have you been able to see in, in game clips? Like, does Giannis seem all that held back to you? Because I, I really haven't noticed that. But it's clear something's off with this Bucks team.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because we're seeing, like, a paradigm shift in the league, man. So look look at the teams that we're, we're seeing in the playoffs, right? Like, it, it started last year with the Raptors. Um, you notice with uh, Kawhi Leonard, there was also Pascal Siakam, but he wasn't an all-star yet. You know, we've seen Serge Ibaka, but, you know what I'm saying, there's not like you have, like, you know, three, you know, hall of famers or three elite all-stars on a team. And I think what we're seeing with a lot of these teams, which, you know, Toronto, that they struggled, right? Like Boston seemed to really have them. They, and now you see Toronto making a comeback. Now you see Boston struggling and there's questions of their young players, right? A lot of potential. And Mm -hmm. I think with Milwaukee, to answer your question, I haven't seen anything with the game tape. I personally think like taking a Luca, right? Luca had plenty of ankle injuries, Luca had people like gunning for him, trying to hurt him intentionally, um, and he was clearly banked up. And look at his performance, right? So for me, with Giannis, you know, a numbers dip, I think it's a lot more scrutiny. I mean, this is a this is a player's league. Now, granted, yeah. when players fail, the coach takes the fall. So I think with Budenheiser, I think he's going to be, you know, in the crosshairs. And taking a look at their playoff history. Um, it's going recently back to, you know, 2016, 2017. Um, You know, them losing to the first round to the Raptors. The next year, losing to the first round to the Celtics. Then, you know, finally 2018, 2019, um, losing to the conference finals to, you know, Toronto. So, I think looking at this season, it's fairly interesting to see really the fates, of this team moving forward if they lose, especially getting swept. If they get swept, the coach is gone. It's Siela. And, mm. you know, I, I, I agree with Charles in that, hey, when he was he said it on, inside the NBA like a couple of months ago. When he was on a team, he knew like, hey, like we're not going to beat this team. Like, you know, we're probably going to lose the series, but we're not getting swept. I can carry, I'm good enough to carry us to a win, at least one. Like, I can at least, you know, pick up my, you know, enthusiasm and get us one so we're not embarrassed off the court. And if they are swept, I would say I think the coach is toast. I, I don't see how he yeah. survives, um, especially with the Bucks being the perennial favorite. And it's so funny, man, on Wikipedia, <laughs> I see somebody put on here that the Bucks lost in four to the Heat <laughs> in the conference semifinals, so I don't know if there somebody's doing some predictions or some predicting, but that's what we see on Wikipedia right now. Obviously, Conspiracy. incorrect, but yeah, for sure. It was the yeah, NBA officials. <laughs> it is, it is, and I want to, I want to ask you, and then I think that'll pretty much wrap up my thoughts on this with Giannis in particular. No matter if he stays, you know, with the Bucks or goes to the Heat or wherever he decides to do it's a time for him to really get that same heat. No pun intended again, that, you know, somebody <laughs> like, you know, like a James Harden, right? You you know, look at that game seven. He was in like, he played atrocious. He yeah. has one defensive play. No one cares. And he's fine playing. They play the Lakers and they, they win game one. So yeah, with, with Giannis in particular, it's a time if they do get swept, I would say he's a lot to blame. And I think the pressure is on him for next year. If he's an elite player, Like, we know what elite players are, right, in terms of winning is a big part of it. Like, stuffing the stat sheet only gets you so far. And I've seen that's why with Kawhi, he's so respected. He wins, right? He has the stats, and he's successful. It's just undeniable with Kawhi Leonard. So I think with Giannis, do you think, you know, as much as the coach might take the axe ultimately, you know, the coach might end up with other cities. Typically, coaches they kind of shuffle around the league. And I overall think even though they might take more of the blame, they're not under a ton of scrutiny, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like compared to the players where they're just getting murdered on Twitter all the time. So overall, do you think with Giannis, like if they do lose today, you know, this could be a, a narrative on his legacy of not being a top elite player in this league. Me personally, no. But you do
1: already have guys in the media, like, I mean, I'll foreshadow here, I'll hint at it, but, you know, right. like Richard Jefferson saying Giannis is a Pippin, so you do have kind of narratives that are starting, but, you know, Giannis is 25 years old, he, he's still, you know, under that, that first contract, um, so he really hasn't been in the league very long, um, but it is getting the, to that time where he's going to reach his prime. Like, I, I would be more critical if he were in his late 20s, like 28, 29, and he's not um, not advancing. But but definitely, I mean, your point is spot on, that he's going to be getting a lot of heat this year with a second-round exit. Um, and I do think this Heat team is very underrated. And I, I do think they just... Again, the the continuity of that team, um, I I think, and another thing, you know, just just kind of in in looking at everything, I think the Bucks really made a big mistake in letting Malcolm Brogdon go. Agreed, and, and that's something that you know when Giannis is, is thinking of things in the next two off seasons, you know, that's something that I think is going to stand out. I mean, is this is this going to feel like an OKC Thunder situation to Kevin Durant, where they let James Harden go. Now, obviously, Brogdon isn't the talent that Harden is at this point anyway. Maybe things could change, but it doesn't feel quite as egregious as that. But that was someone who, you know, I guess in thinking of this, there are a lot of parallels, in my opinion, to LeBron's first stint in Cleveland, where Guys are leaving. Like early on, Carlos Boozer left for free agency to Utah. And that was, that was like LeBron feeling abandoned in this situation. Milwaukee, not a place traditionally that gets a lot of free agents, much like Cleveland when, when LeBron was there. Not traditionally a place that draws a lot of free agents. He tried to get Chris Bosh to join him before LeBron eventually went to the heat to join Wade. And we all know how that went. So I wonder if Giannis is going to take more the route of, Hey, this is my team. Hey, I really like coach bud. I'm going to stick up for him. And maybe, maybe he doesn't get fired after this year. Although I I'm with you. I tend to think he's probably gone if they lose, especially if they get swept. Um, is Giannis feeling isolated like that, but he wants to be a buck for life, or is he going to take kind of the, the route that we see most players take in, in this era, and really overall in general, and look for his best option in free agency? I, I think it's tricky. The, the Bucks roster, if you look at it, they have a lot of guys that are over 30 years old, and, and let's be honest, I mean, one of the anchors of their defense. I mean, obviously Giannis, yes, but Brooke Lopez as well. They relied on him heavily this year and he's getting up there in years. And and we know that he's a center and centers don't typically age all that well. Um, So how much, how much longer can they rely on Brooke Lopez and who are they going to be able to bring in? I mean, even Eric Bledsoe, a guy who doesn't feel to me like he's been in the league terribly long uh, he is 30 years old, and, and we know that point guards typically don't age well past 30 either uh, in, in most cases. So I think there are, there are a lot of problems, a lot of questions with this Bucks team. If Zach Lowe was kind of making this point on his podcast, and I agree that, that this was really an urgent year, and the fact that they had the best record in the league is, is really alarming that this is a second-round exit. Uh, and, and I praise this Heat team. I, I don't really myself underrate them. I, I respect what they have there. But no way this Bucks team should have been swept. I mean, if anything, this series should have at least gone six games, regardless of which way it went. So this looks terrible. Um, I don't know. Do you, have a, do you have a sense or thoughts for you know, how, this, how this might feel for Giannis and how things might look going forward? Do you think it's more likely that he leaves the Bucs than stays?
0: Good question. I think I echo your sentiments, especially look at Broke Lopez. Right to your point, I think was it a couple of years ago he had like a career high in threes. Like you know sooner or later, that type of production's going to go down, and I think he is going to get frustrated. I mean, like you said, I think you said he's on his he's on his rookie deal, right? Or, um, or just one of his his earlier rookie
1: extension, yeah, rookie
0: extension, yeah. So I just think. You know, we've seen with superstar players and especially with him and seeing, you know, kind of newer teams like, you know, like even this past decade, the Mavericks, Golden State Warriors, now with the Raptors, even Cleveland finally winning one. Like the opportunities are made elsewhere if you don't have the team around you. You're right. Having a older guys on your team is not going to get that job done unless you have a perennial all-star with him, which he like, and, and talking about not, not only a perennial all-star, but like borderline hall of famer. And even then it's not going to totally work, but I just think Giannis needs some more help and it, it is taking a toll on him. And especially where they play compared to Toronto in which, you know, you see even with Kawhi being hurt, there was others, you know, that stepped up in that series for them to ultimately be successful, and I just think with the Bucks, I've always wondered about this team. Like, is Giannis really that good to kind of carry them by them by himself? Like, I don't know. But I think for sure, um, this would be my final point on this. It would probably be one of the most disappointing exits in NBA history, and considering so far we haven't seen too many dramatic upsets in terms of you know how is the bubble going to affect other people that really don't have an excuse so the, the whole bubble thing is is kind of irrelevant in this scenario i think they should take a lot of the blame if they do get swept
1: yeah yeah and i i think um you know i mean i'm looking at the list right now of of player names and i mean the impact players here chris Middleton you've got him locked up. He's, he's been great for the bucks, but you know, it's, it's debatable whether he's good enough to be like your second best guy on a championship team. Uh, he's, he's locked in. He's getting paid more than Giannis at this point. Um, Bledsoe is 30, Brooke Lopez, 32, George Hill, 34, Ersan Ilyasova is 33, Robin Lopez, 32, Wesley Matthews, 33, Kyle Corver is 39. Um, (laughs)
0: that's crazy (laughs) yeah so
1: this is an older team and then you look at younger names i mean other than like Giannis, who's 25 and and obviously the the star of you know i mean arguably the best player in the in the league you know Kawhi leonard lebron james others might have things to say about that but um you know you look at other young players on this list i mean it's, it's really guys that are not Having a big impact right now, like DJ Wilson, Dante Divincenzo, um, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, um, you know. So there's Giannis's brothers on the team. Um, so I mean, this this is a team with a lot of issues. And and again, I I think what you just said kind of highlights that comparison that I think is fair with a young LeBron on the Cavaliers, where it kind of felt like, well, let's just get guys who can shoot, guys can contribute or do one or two things on the court. Either they have a defensive focus or maybe they're a three and D guy or whatever. And then LeBron will carry the rest. And, and we've seen that before in the past that you're not going to keep superstars, especially this day and age in the NBA, happy with that. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll kind of close my thoughts there as well, but, but I agree with what you're saying. I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues this team needs to sort out. And I think, yeah, if they get swept by the heat, Coach Bud, um, you know, probably on the chopping block.
0: For sure. Um, let's move on to a, uh, I would say, a very controversial topic in the NBA this week, which was, Steve, and shocking, which was Steve Nash being hired as the Brooklyn Nets coach for four years. Um, and basically, this is a four-year contract that was announced September 3rd. Um, it's here from a SI article via um, Adrian Worianowski's reporting of ESPN that owner Joe Tsai and general manager Sean Marks made an aggressive push to convince Nash to try coaching. And here's a quote here. Um, quote, coaching is something I knew I wanted to pursue when the time was right, and I was humbled to be able to work. With the outstanding group of players and staff we have here in Brooklyn, that's Steve Nash said, I am as excited about the prospects of the team on the court as I am about moving to Brooklyn with my family and becoming impactful members of the community. Um, So another thing here, and then I'll kind of get into my thoughts, Jock Vaughn, who was the interim head coach, um, he'll stay on um, as the lead assistant. So Mm. I think that's very interesting, too um so the main topic of this and I, and this was brought up on first take and it got picked up on the internet and it went viral on other shows it's kind of the racial component to this so i'll i'll address this um i basically Stephen A. said he was trying to kind of play articulate his thoughts without trying to denigrate steve nash which i don't think he was mm-hmm. doing i think he was saying for a lot of black coaches in this league in particular, somebody like a Mark Jackson, right? And in my opinion, Mark Jackson still wants to coach. His name always pops up. I don't think I've heard him deny, like you know, hey, I don't want to coach. Quit bringing my name up. You know, quit talking about me. It seems like he wants. He's interested. And when you see him, when you see Chauncey Billups, when you see Jerry Stackhouse, when you see even from a woman's perspective, um, you know. Lindsay Darkangelo, you know, keeps bringing up Becky Hammond. Um, from that perspective, when you see a lot of coaches, you know, of either of the women variety or um, African American, don't get those opportunities, it, you know, it stings f- from that perspective. And I and I totally get it. I understand. My my main problem with this, and I I get it, just because maybe correct me if I'm wrong mad but with sean marks and steve nash have a relationship going back to phoenix
1: um
0: Mm. and also steve nash has a relationship with kevin durant being the player development coach at golden state despite all of that i just haven't heard anybody discuss the Kyrie factor in all of this like there's a lot of higher i would say again this is from a fan's perspective but A lot of, I think, higher issues of taking on this team that benefits more of a veteran coach than a first-time coach. And I think instead of like Mm. the racial component, it's more the experience component I have a problem with this with. Because if they were to hire Becky Hammond, I would have the same issue, despite her being under the coaching tree of um, Coach Popovich. Because Mm -hmm. to me... We're dealing with a situation in which Kyrie Irving is a volatile personality. I mean, and the coach is going to get the ax. Most likely, Kyrie is going to give him, be given some latitude based on his relationship with Kevin Durant. So you look at Kyrie in Cleveland, in the valley, and Boston, in the valley. Um, it's, it's, it's a situation in which he's had a good positions to be successful, and it's been detrimental to not only his teammates but his overall legacy because of his talent and i think with steve nash i don't really see how his overall past experience is going to rectify getting steve um, getting kevin durant and Kyrie irving to play cohesively not to mention with this brooklyn nets team that has had you know these are competitive guys they want to win i mean they could have gone to the bubble and just rolled over They could have gone there and just, you know, whatever, and just kind of quit. You know what the team is. But those guys played hard till the end. And Mm -hmm. now you have a, let's face it, a very selfish player, in my opinion, of Kyrie Irving coming in there with, you know, a rookie head coach. And I, I just think like somebody like a Greg Popovich, this would be a perfect role because Popovich is highly respected. He has the clout. He's really, I think, the only one I would, if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan or executive, feel comfortable coming in here and not putting up with any of Kyrie's garbage. Like, I think you, you need that. And somebody as respected as Popovich, even though there might be a clash there, ultimately, I think it might be for the best as opposed to this situation with Steve Nash. He's the first year coach. I mean, how's he going to deal with the constant scrutiny of the Brooklyn Nets probably being the prohibitive favorite to win the title? I mean, what if they lose three games? What if Kyrie's unhappy? Kevin Durant's unhappy. If you know, what is Kevin Durant's going to go on Steve Nash's you know Instagram page and so you know whatever, um, what is it called um, under another alias and just you know talk all kinds of crap about him. So overall, just um, my overall thoughts. I think I'm not thrilled with this hire. I get the past history, but you know a lot of coaching is dealing with personalities, and I just don't think. With Steve Nash kind of being the leader of this team and Durant and Irving and the other players not really liking him, in my opinion, I think it's kind of a recipe for failure. But maybe I'm being negative. What do you think? Yeah, it's,
1: you know, we were told, or at least I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Kevin Durant signed off on this and that Kyrie Irving signed off on this as well. Sure. And I think... That is, and, and you guys can check out my YouTube video on this if you want, on the channel if you want my my takes on this, but I, I think the main factor in Steve Nash's hiring was, as you mentioned, that relationship with Sean Marks, there's familiarity there, and then the fact that those two guys buy in to him as head coach, and just, I, I think you make some good points there about Kyrie Irving, and... I think he's just such an off-ball character, and I, I agree. Selfish, as you said, I, I think is a perfectly good way to describe Kyrie, at least to this point in his career. Um, and I don't know, you know, even with someone like Popovich, who you and I agree is respected around the league, I don't know how Kyrie interacts with him. If if he would just roll his eyes at a guy who's who's been in that league that long. I don't know how serious Kyrie takes his coaches to begin with, like regardless of who you are. So I wonder if there's almost kind of this star power factor that appeals to Kyrie even more so than like, Hey, I have, you know, the five rings as coach pop. Um, because I don't know, I don't know if Kyrie is phased at, at that, at this point, he has a ring. He made that iconic shot in that Cleveland championship um, you know, Ty Lu, who was also mentioned as a guy who, would be a great candidate for this job. And, and I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think he would have been a name that would have made a lot of sense, but, and he has that championship pedigree. He was a point guard as well, but he had that experience with Kyrie and Cleveland and maybe, um, you know, maybe Kyrie, Maybe Tyloo, you know, kind of sided with LeBron on some things in in terms of team politics, and uh that was out of the question. So I I don't really know. I guess my point would be I think Nash has as good of a chance as anyone because I don't know that Kyrie really respects veteran coaches. Um, or (laughs) I mean, quite frankly, anyone. Um, we we've heard rumblings that he and Kevin Durant are good friends. Maybe some of that is because of Kevin Durant kind of sticking up for him in that, in one of those Bill Simmons podcast series that he did there. Um, But even that, I kind of question how well they're going to get along when we actually finally get to see this play out on the court. I I think everyone has that question. So this is a highly volatile situation, which is unfortunate because it's been such a stable product on the court uh, without those two guys. And, we could see them rise to great heights. I mean, I personally think if Kyrie and KD are healthy and good to go at the start of the season, I I think these guys should easily be penciled in as a top three seed, even not seeing what Nash is going to do as a head coach. Um, I personally, I like the hire of Steve Nash, and I honestly, I don't think he was hired because of white privilege, like Stephen A. Smith said. I think he was hired because he's a back-to-back MVP. He you know, orchestrated, along with Mike D'Antoni, one of the most iconic offices in NBA history that inspired a lot of what happens today in the NBA. And I think, most importantly, those relationships and connections. Having that time as a consultant in Golden State, having that time as a consultant on uh, the Canadian basketball team, their national team, and getting the sign-off from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, most importantly. I think those are the reasons he was hired. Um, and I, you know, I don't know whose who's names were put in the ring on both the coaching search and who, who you know, sent their resumes, who wanted, who wanted this. We've heard Mark Jackson for a long time now, and I, I loved him as a head coach for the Warriors. I, I thought he was great. Um, I thought he kind of got a raw deal the way he was let go there. Um, and so I, I would love to see him coach again. But I do wonder if, if that's something that he wants or not. Um, so I, I'm kind of rambling and, and getting off on a lot of ten, uh, tangents here. But uh, I guess one question that I had for you, and, and one thing that this, Nash, this whole Nash thing kind of brings up to me is, what, what do you see as the modern role of the coach in the NBA today?
0: That is a really good question. Because is it
1: more X's and O's or is it more influence?
0: I think it's dealing with player relationships and I think it's X's and O's too. I yeah. think it depends on the coach. Like you look at Rick Carlisle, right? That's very loss of fair, like, you know, pretty much operate the offense. However, you see it with the players on the floor. Um, yeah. compared to some others where they run a pretty intricate defensive scheme. Like, I know Steve Kerr has a lot of strategy, um, etc. I know there's, like, a lot of personal responsibility. I, like, look at, you know, when Draymond Green was on the inside of the NBA, and, um, oh, it was, he was talking about uh, the Joker and how, like, his terrible defense, right? Like, coaching, like, no X's and O's is going to fix, you know, the Joker's terrible defense earlier, you know, mm-hmm in his playoff performance right like it's just lack of effort so Mm -hmm. in that aspect that's more coaching personalities i think trying to get the best out of your players that's why phil jackson was so great he knew how to manipulate personalities to the advantage of the team and it turned out to be correct just like you know with dennis rodman like he needed some people to go out with steve kerr and i think it was judd bushler or will one of those two dudes there, I think mm-hmm. Phil Jackson said, go hang out with Dennis for a night. They're like, what? You know, two guys from, you know, totally different backgrounds. They had a great time with them. And that adds to the bond of the team. And that's where, you know, that could come in, into play. I just think with Kyrie Irving, I don't, for me, I don't buy it so much like Steve. I get it. Every Steve Nash is a great basketball mind. I I'm sure that's the case. At the same time, there are a lot of other great basketball minds. I think he was a hundred mostly I would say ninety-five percent hired because Kevin Durant trust him. And so Kyrie Irving probably went along with it. And he's a back-to-back MVP. He has some respect in the league. He's not some just face it. I mean, in terms of a player respect, Tyron Lou or Steve Nash, despite Lou winning a coaching title, it's Steve Nash, right? I mean, Steve sure. Nash is a Steve Nash is a legend in this league. So, I think overall, I don't like the hire. I'm very nervous for Steve Nash because I like Steve Nash. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of his, and I just think this for any first year coach, like even there's like things you know, like I said earlier about Becky Hammond. This is a terrible. This is a a terrible place to go for a first year coach. It really is. I think you want to, for me a, a good ideal place for a first year coach is in a Stephen A. brought this up and I disagree. I think you want to go to a place in which They've had a history in the past of good um, drafting. For instance, like Chicago. I think getting a new leadership, getting a new general manager, somebody who has a track record with Denver and has some pieces there, there's no pressure with Chicago. I think that would be a great first-year place for a new coach. Um, There's not those expectations there compared to Brooklyn in which, you know, even if they go to the NBA Finals and, you know, what if Kyrie, or I'm sorry, with Kevin Durant blows out his Achilles again, they lose. Like, eventually the coach just wears out his welcome. And that's another thing that Ky- I mean, Steve Nash has to keep in mind, too. I just thought of this. Like, Kevin Durant's playing future is up in the air. Let's face it. I am optimistic he will be back to 100%, but Achilles' injuries are brutal. And we don't know if he's going to be back to 100%. And if his performance takes a dip, and his ego doesn't. We've seen it with somebody like Carmelo Anthony. Look how many years Carmelo finally deferred, right? It took years. And there's no way Kevin Durant's going to. And I think that's the situation you run into is, you know, Durant's performance drops off. Steve Nash goes to him. Hey, we need you to take another role on this team. Is he willing to listen? Because now it's, you know, what well, it's the honeymoon phase. But will we get into the nitty-gritty I mean, these guys are not known for being quiet in the media. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they speak their minds. So I just don't know for a first-year coach if that's the right environment, despite the, you know, relationship Steve Nash has with this team. I just think, from a general manager perspective, it's just a massive risk.
1: I think I would agree with you if it were, like, a college coach coming in. Like, maybe if it were... Brad Stevens coming in when, when he was a first year NBA coach. Um, But I think, I mean, if you tell me as a first year coach, I get Kevin Durant on the roster. I mean, sign me up that that seems like a great situation. Just having him and a lot of, I agree with you about what you said about the Achilles injury and and that, yeah, a lot of that is in the air. I think that's kind of shared though. I mean, there's, there's pressure on Kevin Durant to be able to come back and perform and you're right. He might not be able to defer. Um, But if, you know, if he's less mobile, if he's more of a catch and shoot type guy, I think he can transition into that really well. I mean, yes, he's still going to be a starter and stuff, but that would actually kind of play into maybe keeping Kyrie happier if he could control the ball a little more often, which I think ultimately he is going to be doing, um, and then being able to kick it to Kevin Durant or, you know, what what have you. Like, um, you know, Kevin Durant could age like, like Nowitzki in this league where he still is able to modify his game because he's such a great shooter. Uh, but you're right in that, you know, that would – there, there are lots of expectations coming in for a first-year coach. I, I think Steve Nash, having been in NBA locker rooms and having been in a, an MVP, a multiple-time MVP, and having to deal with a lot of pressure, a lot of disappointment, I, th- I think he knows what high expectations feel like. And I think he, he's kind of uniquely equipped to handle this in, in ways that – I think other um, first year coaches wouldn't be able to like in, in some ways I think the fact that he has such star power maybe makes him uh, more relatable and makes it easier for him to relate to what Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant may be feeling, even though it's not uh, apples to apples necessarily. I mean, very different careers. they looking at, looking at them, but um But I I do think, you know, the biggest thing here and, you know, if if you have anything else we can we can add on. But um, but my kind of last point is still the biggest thing in here is just that, like Kyrie said, it's cool. And Kevin Durant was probably probably the biggest um, uh, kind of um, supporter in, in all of this. And if Kyrie Irving just sent a text to management that was like, okay cool, yeah then uh, coming from Kyrie, I have, I will go ahead and um, take that from him. Cause I, I do agree that, you know, I am not a big Kyrie fan in, in terms of his mentality and approach, especially the way things ended in Boston and that kind of stuff. So, so I think he's a wild card. He, he's almost a wash, no matter who is coming in. So if he's thumbs up on anyone, I mean, that's, that's positive for that coach. <laughs>
0: For but, sure. you know,
1: we'll see how this plays out. And yeah, and I think you're right. I, I think we do have to consider the possibility that this goes up in flames. It's it's volatile. It's not a, a sure shot trip to the finals.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe I'm just being overly negative. I don't know. But I, I'm a big <laughs> we'll fan see. of Kyrie in terms of it, his, you know, athletic ability. I think in terms of talent, oh, yeah. he is un- unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I just think his attitude sucks, and that can be kicking override somebody's game. Um, I totally agree. <laughs> if you don't mind, man, can you kind of go over this LeBron James, Scottie Pippen, and Jay Williams Twitter beef, like yeah. how it started, how's involved? Um, I guess players in the league, and do you think this is gonna result in any long term consequences?
1: So, all right, this all started off with Richard Jefferson, and if you guys would excuse me, I didn't take the screenshots here like I should have. Um, So I will try to get the exact quote. Jeopardy music.
0: Well, meanwhile, just while you're gathering that up, just seeing how kind of laying the the landscape of this out, we've seen a lot more players um, I would say be I guess, vocal of media criticism lately. And we've seen, you know, Kendrick Perkins, Jay Williams, kind of be more on the forefront of, you know, stating their opinions and players clapping back at them. And it's interesting because both Jay Williams and Kendrick Perkins have a relationship with Kevin Durant. So I just, you know, find it interesting for them to be impartial. Like they do have existing relationship with these players, as compared to, like, a Shaq um, or Charles Barkley or Kenny Smith. Even if she, even when Shaq is... I mean, he had his relationship with the Sacramento Kings. I mean, he was very harsh on them when he had to be. Um, so I'm just wondering, of does the player relationship of these younger players that have retired play into more of, of a willingness to criticize them? Or... Is it just because they're just getting criticized by any player they're going to take it on Twitter?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, a sign of the times, I think. And, and a lot of these guys that are tweeting, like Richard Jefferson, who started this initial tweet uh, thread, um, you know, a lot of these guys are trying to make their headway onto, onto the media scene. I mean, Richard Jefferson has been around a while on podcasts and things like that. I think he's been on the jump quite a bit, if, if I'm not mistaken, He
0: broadcasts up Brooklyn Nets games too. Um, Ah, so yeah, he's, he's dipping
1: his toes in place to place. Um, You know, I, I see some of the kind of shock jock stuff from Kendrick Perkins and, you know, and I'm not criticizing. I think a lot of it is, is genuine. I think it's entertaining. I think it brings up interesting conversations in some ways, although he's had some things that he said, uh <laughs> have been really weird takes. Um, but I, I think you know the these are kind of genuine opinions for the most part. Every now and then I think it's it's a little bit of shock jocking. And and I think what we're seeing today is that players are on social media more than ever. I mean, the, the, the 2010s that, that really has evolved where everyone's got their social media brand, and this is how players are trying to get you know more. Um, marketing and sponsorship deals, things like that, to um, boost their own brand, boost their earning potential, things like that. So everyone kind of has a vested interest in social media. But in in the NBA uniquely, it seems like we get a lot more social media drama, and I think that's because these these players' faces are recognized so much more. Like they're not under a helmet, like hockey players or football players. You know, these the NBA personalities, I mean, really since the 80s, um, there's there's been a focus to promote these personalities because there are lots of great personalities in the NBA. So anyway, I, I have this tweet pulled up. So Richard Jefferson says, uh, Giannis might be a Pippin. There, I said it. He needs his Jordan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So he just kind of dropped that in there.
0: Sure um, did.
1: <laughs> and Pippin. <laughs> kind of made the point, I don't have this one pulled up, but basically he said, you know, I'm I'm not Giannis. Giannis isn't me. I was never back-to-back MVP. Um, so, you know, <laughs> we're, we're kind of stirring the pot here. And I think where things kind of go off the rails is Jay Williams then responds to Richard Jefferson and says, so LeBron was a Pippin with D. So LeBron was a Pippen with D. Wade so once. Nothing wrong with that until you get over the hump. And now LeBron gets pulled into this, and this is where this thing really blows up, as as it usually does when LeBron gets involved with stuff. You know, biggest basketball player in the world, arguably. Um, so he responds to Jay Williams. Explain to me what the f I got to do with this subject matter. I'm over here minding my damn business preparing for Houston and by the way, I ain't never been nobody but my damn self King emoji and then <laughs> SH word uh, so right. so LeBron with a pretty heated response in the past it, it, you know people made this this kind of criticism that you know LeBron would shut off Twitter during the playoffs to get ready or at least that was one thing yeah
0: it's zero dark40.
1: Exactly. And so so a lot of people were kind of questioning that. Um, and then Jay Williams, just to kind of just kind of close this out, did respond to LeBron kind of backing down. I never stated you were anyone other than LBJ. Okay. <laughs> I know who you are. And I have also publicly stated where I stand on your place in history. I was describing a feat that you accomplished in order to be where you are today in relation to where Giannis currently is. We all learn and grow. So definitely backtracking what he said, because he clearly did compare LeBron to a Pippen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, th- this is all, in my opinion, kind of silly. Um, what, what are your thoughts on on all that? I mean, do you, do you think this tarnishes anyone's image? Do you think... There are winners-losers here. What What are your thoughts on all this?
0: It's stupid. I kind of yeah. don't... I kind of... I don't know. I, lost respect is not the right words because it's just like it's not that serious. But I would say LeBron James has better stuff to do than to yes. deal with this. this. Him replying to this is a Kevin Durant move. Yes. Um, it seems pretty petty. I expect more from LeBron, so... I'm like he shouldn't waste his time on this. I think this is stupid. I think with you know commentators are gonna say what they're gonna say. They that's that's a total clickbait thing. Oh well, he's a Pippin and all this other mess. So overall, I I don't see it. Like you said, it's it's I would say the criticism should go up for Giannis if they get swept. But overall, this Pippin nonsense, I think. It's, I think, quite disrespectful to Scottie Pippen. They'll say, no, it's not, it's not. Yeah, it is. You're, it's a slight, like, let's just face it. It is what it is. Yeah. So overall, I think this is kind of a waste of time. It's fun just to talk about, but, you know, with people beefing with each other on Twitter for no reason, that's kind of what people do. But overall, this is not really on the radar, and I don't see any long-term things other than LeBron shouldn't be tweeting about petty stuff like this.
1: Yeah, I think ultimately this hurts LeBron the most because you know, maybe, maybe things would have been different in this day and age. Maybe this is more of the sign of our times and just us as human beings in general, than it is um, a sign of differences in, in people. But I, I, just think, you know, right now, Jordan is in LeBron's sights and you know, we, we just had the last dance you and I did, did a review on that series in its entirety. And this seems like some and, and not saying that LeBron has to be exactly like Jordan in all things. He's already definitely not that um, in, in terms of how he acts and, and stuff he's, he's been much more vocal, but I mean, Jordan and apologies for the quote unquote old man take, but Jordan would have taken this out on the basketball court. You, you see LeBron get angry, talk about how he's trying to prepare for Houston. Well, dude, then, then stay off Twitter. I mean, if if this is really bothering you that much and take it out on the Rockets, he instead comes out on Twitter, says this. Sorry, sounds kind of like a, a crybaby, like, why don't you guys give me my respect when I, I don't think they're really like getting at LeBron's greatness. They were saying maybe narratives about him, but you're right in that the, the Pippin thing is a slight. But it's, it's so minor and seems so beneath him to respond. And, and then he goes and he loses game one to the Rockets. Now, I, I I picked the Lakers to beat the Rockets. I actually picked the Lakers to beat the Rockets soundly. So I was pretty disappointed that, that the Lakers lost that game one, uh, even though I am a Rockets fan. So I, I'm happy in that way. But, um, you know, just a bad look for LeBron overall. I, I don't really have any issues with what jefferson or jay williams or scotty pippen said all that much i do think it's a little bit early for richard jefferson to be making this sweeping statement about Giannis as a player and as his career and what he's looking at he certainly doesn't seem like someone who needs to be your second best player on a title team um you know so that it seems seems a little crazy as a take in in that regard but yeah I'm, i'm with you overall just kind of stupid and kind of makes everyone look a little silly
0: um two last things just to to talk about um the oklahoma city thunder and the utah jazz um they both bounce um i think the future of these teams are both bright i would say the thunder really overachieved chris paul props for chris paul i know he took some crap for his game seven performance but overall i was impressed with that and with the utah you know I think it's going to be interesting to see Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, how that plays out. It's clear they don't like each other. Um, and that was before coronavirus hits and the pandemic basically um, heightened those tensions. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Just real quickly, just your thoughts on those two teams.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting Interesting to see if free agents this upcoming year, and, and we're not talking maybe like a star player, because uh, I don't think OKC has the cap for that. But maybe some impactful role players will look to come and play with Chris Paul and seeing that, you know, to this point, he's definitely not washed up. He's a great leader of this team, great leader in the NBA still on the basketball court. It's it's a travesty that Chris Paul has not had playoff success. Um, and it's it's one of those NBA mysteries that... We're going to be talking about, I think, for a long time after he's done playing, because I think the numbers and, you know, even even some more advanced statistics indicate that that really Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in the history of the NBA. And it's, it's just kind of sad to see him go uh, out early again. But to your point of what you're saying, this OKC team overachieved. A lot of people did not have them making the playoffs. Uh, when this team was first formed, when that deal for Chris Paul was made. So, and and it could have been a different story if the Thunder had gotten the ball to Chris Paul on that last inbounds play. I mean, he yeah. he was playing pretty well, I think, in, in that fourth quarter, maybe not well over the entirety of the game. But, I mean, how do you not let him decide the season? Um, you know, and, and some uh, fair criticism, I think, has been put down on Billy Donovan for... That inbounds pass, because that's one thing that you as a basketball coach should be very good at. I mean, one of the the few things maybe X and O's wise that you can have a big impact on because you get the time to draw out that play and you know get your stars to buy in on that. They might not be running your offense every single play as the game progresses, but inbounds anyway. Um so I think I think OKC can have an interesting couple seasons, but their success is all going to depend on the health of Chris Paul. And that's, that's been shaky since his time in Houston. So um, with Utah, yeah, you're spot on. I think Rudy Gobert uh, has to go after next season. I mean, if he opts into his player option, I I honestly would not look to re-sign him if I were the jazz. Uh, I mean, unless he is willing to, so I think he can be your third best player on a team for you to be a title contender. I don't think he can be your second best player in today's NBA as good of a rim protector as he is as good of a a post defender. I think there are situations where, you know, much like Andre Drummond, much like Deandre Jordan in the past on those Clippers teams, there are situations where he can get played off the court in today's NBA. And so I think if Utah wants to contend for a title, they're going to need to put the focus on their team on Donovan Mitchell and I would honestly like sign and trade, or just let Rudy Gobert walk. And not everyone would agree with me on that, but I, and, and I'm someone who loved Rudy Gobert coming out of the draft. But, um, but I just think we've seen what this Utah Jazz team is, and they need to shake things up, or just sit in the middle of the pack of the West for another year or two.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then finally, man. Um, just the player awards review, um, just running it down and then I'll just, um, run down the entire list. What we have so far, the NBA has announced, um, coach of the year has been Nick nurse and very interesting. A finalist was Mike Budenholzer. So, um, (laughs) just imagine Uh if he won that award and you know, he gets swept how that goes. Um, the most valuable player that has not been announced yet. Um, we have Rookie of the Year, announced um, Ja Morant. Um, and then we have Sixth Man of the Year, Montrez Harold. You might have seen that video circling around um, YouTube. Uh, we have Defensive P- Player of the Year, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Most Improved Player, Brandon Ingram. And then so far, we're still missing Executive of the Year, in um, of the Year, Sportsmanship Award, Community Cares Assist Award. And then our all NBA, all rookie team, and all defensive teams. So, man, what do you think about those awards? Anything that surprises you? Um, I don't really see anything to surprise them. I am happy for Brandon Ingram. I know, like, you know, it's pretty, I think, the obvious beef with this all these awards is that Luke got not getting most improved. But I really <laughs> think Brandon Ingram has really really improved. I kind of dismissed him in LA. I thought he was way overrated. And I saw him at certain points with New Orleans really carry that team, uh, especially when Zion was hurt. So I have no problem with him getting it. Or even Bam out of the bio. I think, you know, he is a difference maker as well. But so overall, I don't have any issues with these awards. Do you? No, I don't. I think they all
1: kind of make sense on – as far as the narratives of the season go. Yeah. That bam out bio on most improved. That was the only, the only one really where I differed from what the awards turned out to be. Um, but I think that narrative that you just mentioned with Brandon Ingram makes sense that he would win most improved. Um, I think Giannis, we all kind of saw that coming for defensive player of the year. I don't think that's too shocking or controversial. Um, Harold, fits the narrative that the Clippers were one of the deepest teams in the league. And I do like him as an energy impact player off the bench for that team. So, so I think that makes sense for six man rookie of the year is really no contest, to be honest. I mean, it it would have been had um, Zion been able to play the season. One thing I wanted to ask you real quick, do you think so? So I had a problem with when they announced the finalists, I mean, Zion was a finalist for rookie of the year. He had only played 24 games that, that really just bothers me (laughs) because I think it would be great for another player to be recognized as a finalist who actually played for, you know, half the season or longer. I know that there's name recognition and hype behind Zion. Do you think that there's any, any need for the league to put some kind of like, um, some kind of standard on these awards, like, hey, you must play at least half of the regular season to be in contention for an award?
0: Yeah, good question. I 100% agree with you. I think I would say, I know it might be controversial, but. I would say at least because percentage is better than like actual games, especially with like a pandemic going on. So I think percentage, percentage of the season completed. So I would say at least 70% of your games. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fine with that. I don't, I don't, I don't don't see what's too hard about that. Um, at least to be considered incentive
1: to play the actual game. Sorry.
0: Sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. No, I feel you. And that goes for MVP too. Um, especially for the more important player awards. So I feel you. Um, I echo your sentiments. I know this has been a pain point for you, and I feel you. I, I much. I, I love Zion. I am high on Zion, and I really hope for the best. They'd be bum me out to see him, you know, be hurt and have um, further career consequences. But at the same time, I just to be on this list with only um, – I guess you said 24 games played. I think it's it's pretty ridiculous. So I think we're on the same page. Yeah.
1: And I, you know, I just wonder if that's something like for casual fans to be able to see his name on the media release or something like that. I I don't know. But that just seems ridiculous to me. Um, But, but yeah, other than that, I I don't really have any issue with these rewards. I I think they are all well deserved. Even like I had Bam out of bio over uh, Brandon Ingram, but but I don't think Brandon, Brandon Ingram winning that award is any, (laughs) any disgrace or undeserved. I I think that's perfectly deserved. He, he carried that team for a good part of the season and, you know, they almost made it into the playoffs. So, um, and and the numbers were there too. So um, agreed. So yeah, I I think all good selections, Um, you know, prediction for the MVP. Do you have one way or the other? I mean, it seems like it's, between LeBron or Giannis, do you think um, any... I mean, obviously, voting was closed before the playoffs. So, you know, people didn't have the chance to see the Bucks, you know, choke, if you want to put it that way, or struggled mightily against the Heat, to put it gently. Um, do you have any sense if, if anything may have changed? I mean, obviously, voting is closed. But
0: do you think Giannis is yeah, going to be yeah.
1: our back-to-back MVP?
0: It's so subjective. I... <sighs> Again, your mindset has to be of the regular season frame, and then they said it right. pre, you know, coronavirus, I would say it's a toss-up. I would go just more valuable again. If we're playing, okay, take the guy off which team? It's pretty close. I think at least with the Lakers, they're like a playoff team in the West, just with their talent, just with Anthony Davis. Like, yeah, at least they're in the mix. But with Giannis, I really think with the Bucks, they would be nowhere. Like, they'd be an irrelevant mm-hmm. team, to be honest. So I would say as most valuable, Giannis. But if LeBron got it, that's kind of like, you know, when you see the Oscars and, you know, you have an actor that should have won it that year and they get robbed. And years later, they win the Oscar for a movie they should have won it for. I think <laughs> he will probably I think LeBron's going to win it. I think he'll just get a makeup one, which I don't necessarily have too much of an issue with. Mm. But either one of these guys are equally deserving. So it's, it's not a big deal unless James Harden gets it. I know um, one of my colleagues, um, he'll be happy about that. Cause he's a massive Houston Rockets fan, but I I think that would be more of a travesty than anything else, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. It does kind of worry me in a way, <laughs> even though it's deserved, it kind of worries me in a way that Giannis won defensive player of the year, like, Oh, is that kind of bracing us for him to not win MVP? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think Giannis is more deserving um, just because LeBron, LeBron turns it on and, and turns it off for defense. Um, I mean, we saw um, there was a clip, I think it was in the very first quarter, so not even at the end of the game, in that first Rockets game, where Eric Gordon is wide open in the corner, LeBron is supposed to be guarding him, He stands, he looks at him, Gordon sees that he's not going to run up to him. So LeBron, you know, takes time. And and there are other highlights like that over the course of the year. Um, But definitely, like, from an offensive perspective, the numbers are there. They are MVP-esque numbers. And traditionally, let's be honest, a lot of voters haven't placed a high importance on defense as far as this MVP award goes. It's kind of um, narrative of your team. If you're the number one seed, that goes a long way. Both LeBron and Giannis have that going for them. So, yeah, I I hope we see Giannis win it. I think he's more deserving. But but I think your Oscar analogy is is a perfect one for this MVP.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens. Um, anything else before we wrap it up?
1: Man, you know, one thing, and, and I don't want to get off on a huge tangent, but – it, it has been a very, like, other than this this Twitter beef that we mentioned between those media members and LeBron, it's been a very quiet week on social media. Do you know, do you have a sense on why the players seem to be overall more quiet?
0: Um, not sure. I think, like we've kind of speculated, there's just been a, um, moving forward with this, the social justice movement, um, with a lot of the players agreeing to come back, I think they're in very tricky territory just because you know, unarmed black men are going to continue to be shot. And not only that, the president is going to continue to say, you know, disagreeable things. And from a player perspective... They are not unified until in terms of their whole voice in terms of things are happening. Um, if if you don't mind, Matt, I, I, I want to kind of segue to something. Some late breaking news here. Um, we're watched I'm watching the Miami Heat, um, Milwaukee Bucks game right now, um, Game Four. Giannis went down, and he's been going down. I've been kind of watching this game a little bit while we've been talking, hmm. and he, I don't. I missed it. What happened? But he is hurt badly. Um, he's holding his ankle, and players are surrounding him. I mean, who knows? He could come back. He, you know, put some ice on. It could be fine. But it does not look good. So I just wanted to mention that um, oh, before we say goodbye. It could be a huge story that we're talking about next week. But he's holding his ankle area, and you know, he's gone. They're going to lose. Um, they're going to get swept. So that's a story just to, to to check up. But this is as of recording this, two uh, nineteen Mountain Time, four nineteen Eastern Time. Uh, Giannis kumbo, is hurt. We'll see what happens. It could be a non-story when we talk to you next week, but um, for now, he he's down in a lot of pain.
1: Ah, bummer. I mean, such such a sad way to see the season end for him. I mean, overall, other than you know these past four games, it's been a great season for Giannis. So, so yeah, that's terrible, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we did we did have that that boycott come to an end, you know, you and I spent a long time talking about that last week. So I I didn't want to bring a ton of politics in this week or anything like that. But, but it is interesting to me that, that things have been pretty silent. I I don't know that it's more so the players feel a little bit resigned to talk about this until the playoffs are over. I don't know if it's that, you know, the first round ratings are down uh, compared to last year. And overall, you know, even though that, that Denver Utah game definitely got some great ratings in primetime. Um, like I, I don't know if that was concerning to them, if there was some kind of league memo uh, to the players about ratings or something. I, you know, I certainly the the owners and in the league in general, I have I would highly doubt that there was any attempt to like silence the players or anything like that. I, I definitely. Um you know, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest some kind of kooky conspiracy or anything like that. But it, it just,, um, you know, I, I've been looking all over the place, um, and, and I just really couldn't find a reason that things seem so much more silent um, on the NBA. And, and I, by the way, I'm not saying that that's that's wrong or anything like that. I'm not like putting a judgment on it. I just I just think it's very interesting. And maybe it's that, you know, there's, there's a little bit of stress release from having talked things out a little bit more over the boycott. You're right in that, you know, it's it's not totally unified and things like that. But I wonder if the players are kind of fatigued about talking about these things as well and just maybe now, you know, they're getting to see their families in the second round and having people come in um, and maybe they, they're just spending more time with them and they want to hold off on on talking about some of that until they are uh, back out in their own respective communities. I have, you know, and that's speculation on my part
0: for sure. Yeah. We'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, Giannis is back um, at the line and looks like he he's back playing. I'm just looking at him. He doesn't seem right. He's walking better. Um, He took the free throws. He was fouled on that play and he's walking towards the bench. So at least he's walking. Um, so he's kind of hobbling a little bit, I'm watching, this is happening in real time as we're recording this look like he's going to the locker room. So he took his free throws. He kind of pulled a, um, Clay Thompson when he got hurt and he went mm-hmm. to the locker room. So, uh, yeah, I'm we're going to see what uh, happens.
1: I'm seeing a lot of heat Twitter reaching out to Giannis <laughs> saying, come down oh, and geez. join us. <laughs>
0: oh man. Um, well, we'll, have to we'll have to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully above all else, you know, Giannis is okay and this isn't a very serious injury. Hopefully, um, you know, at most, maybe it's a sprained ankle that he can, he can get over quickly. Um, so, so our best wishes to him, of course. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Terrible way to see a a great season for him. end.
0: for sure. Um, that's going to wrap up our show. Um, get in touch with us through Facebook and Twitter, um, leave us a review on Hoopsology and, um, Email us, always positive, um, negative questions, anything that you have on your mind at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. New email, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Again, we have changed our name. We're now Hoopsology. Um, I think it's pretty much transferred over. I think the only issue is um, Stitcher. So just type in Hoopsology. It should appear our old pictures on there. We'll have to fix that. But other than that, it should have um, automatically update in all our podcasting platforms so for matt thomas i am justin goodrum have a great holiday and we will see you next week peace out peace